politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow peaceful American patriots, taxpayers and Romans. Yes, I call you Romans and countrymen because I always want to remind this audience that we are like the Roman Empire on the precipice of collapse. Um, It is Tuesday, October 29th. I am a little bit in a rush today recording early because I'm headed out to a speaking engagement in New York. And I was thinking as I was beginning this show that my topic today was going to be social transformation without representation, our favorite pastime here, uh, which is really what happens to the Roman Empire. It's rotten out from within. So therefore, the leadership and elites become corrupt and they allow the Vandals and the Goths to come in externally and destroy the country, work together with the fifth column within the external problems, and boom, you get the collapse of Rome. And really, if you look at two of the most prominent issues that we've covered on this show, open borders, sanctuaries, you know, illegal immigration, criminal alien problems, together with domestic criminal justice jailbreak problems, that's really where you have this synergy of the rot gut in values domestically that lead to a breakdown in public order and security, and then also pave the road for external violence to come in and collapse the republic. It's many ways, it's America's haunted house. America's haunted house is sanctuary cities and jailbreak. And I'm gonna discuss so many cases today, as many as we can get to. I don't even have the time. It's funny. I'm sitting on like six different illegal alien child molesting cases. And all these people should never have been in the country. This is a big epidemic, as you well know, because in a lot of their home countries, it is normal for them to have such relations and even marriages to young girls, um, boys sometimes too. Heck, you know, who knows? And as well as many other crimes mixed together with this epidemic of people being let out without bail. without having to post bail, the worst criminals reoffending left and right. And I was just thinking today, one of my uh, colleagues here at Blaze Media was, was saying on a, on a morning call that, you know, the big news today is impeachment, Pelosi pushing a vote. And the guy was like, I, I really don't have much to say on it. I mean, the Democrats looked and looked and looked and they can't really get much. There's not much there It's not even that exciting in the news anymore because there really is no there there in terms of like an impeachable offense, whether you believe he did something wrong or not. And what I said to him was that this is the exact juncture where Trump and a united sane Republican Party would come together and push a relentless agenda on public order and public safety and expose the radicalism of Democrats on one case after another, of one cop being killed after another, one child being molested by an illegal alien who was protected by a sanctuary city after another. And they would make them take tough votes. And you know what? If you do that, it will make impeachment look even smaller. And frankly, Democrats would have to abandon it because they would be crushed on this. But to this day, there is no focus, and most Americans don't even know the names of these people. You know, I I reported late Friday on a case of an illegal alien in Chicago. You know, the president was in sanctuary Chicago yesterday. Uh, The police chief, Eddie Johnson, was saying, oh, the president undermines our relationship with the immigrant community. Really? Do you know that on Friday, we, we reported from last week, 
two legal immigrants were cut down in their prime in their 20s because an illegal alien drunk driver who was driving the wrong way on the road and uh, and killed them. And again, nobody discusses the ubiquitous danger of illegal alien um, drunk driving incidents. ICE captures about 80,000 DUIs and 76,000 other driving offenses a year with their limited resources, and most of them they don't get because they don't hear about because most of them live in sanctuaries. We've noted from the Department of of, um, Transportation that um, Latinos have an extremely high rate of drunk driving, and while they don't track legal status, you know, Basic common sense dictates it's going to be more of a problem with illegal aliens rather than legal ones and American citizens. And there, there's no impetus to deal with such ubiquitous public safety problems that everyone agrees is a problem. Some of you might have seen the Department of Justice has ruled that someone who has two DUIs doesn't renders them as not having good moral character, so they're not eligible for discretionary relief against deportation. But what they haven't done is define two DUIs as crimes of moral torpitude to make legal immigrants deportable. Right now, it's not a deportable offense. Now, obviously, for illegal immigrants, it is, but we don't, you know, it's not enforced. But anyway, no one will ever hear the names of um, Laura Uribe. Um, she, she lived in Illinois. She was an immigrant from Colombia. And 27-year-old Marko Boskovic, uh, immigrant from Serbia. They were both killed by this illegal alien, uh, Juan Rodea Cruz, who was harbored by Chicago. So that's that case. So we reported on that last week. I, I think, obviously, no place brings out, or places bring out, this synergy of jailbreak and sanctuaries better than california because what's what's the idea they basically invite in the world's criminals and they harbor them they do everything they can to ensure that ice can't get a hold of them and then in general even with americans they have such weak crime weak on crime laws where they downgrade offenses i mean california has passed like 20 criminal justice deform laws over the last number of years last five or so years and crime is spiking, theft, larceny, drugs, homelessness. We're going to do a show on that tomorrow, hopefully, with Heather McDonald. Um, they abolished bail in most cases, so they're out on bond pending the disposition of their trial, which could take years of committing other crimes. And then, um, and then even when they're sentenced and convicted, it's pled down 50 times because it's so hard to nail a conviction because of all the limitations they pass. And then they don't serve any time. They're out again. And despite accruing a massive violent history, they still don't serve any time. And it's a vicious cycle. So it's a synergy of um, we, we've noted a lot that the, the quicker criminals are released, the harder it is for ICE to get a hold of them. So let's say we've we would uphold the rule of law against American criminals or criminals in general, and localities would lock them up, hold them more on you know pretrial bond. So even if they don't cooperate with ICE and they violate federal law and immigration law, ICE has more time to get them. But where the two policies, jailbreak and sanctuaries, aggravate each other is where everyone is released immediately now. So 
it, certainly if you don't cooperate with ICE, they're not going to get any of these people. So um, we're going to have an article out explaining this, but I just want to go over this. It's a point that nobody else is making. This is literally America's haunted house. The public safety concern is astounding. So, you know, San Diego's crime, after going down for 25 years, has risen every year for five consecutive years. Gang-related homicides have doubled. Um, there have been 463 gang-related crimes for the first six months of the year there, um, up from 385 the previous year. Robberies are up, assaults are up, um, assault with deadly weapons, attempted murders, and um, and then certainly larceny and and petty theft because they basically announced that they're not prosecuting those anymore. So that that's a whole nother show in itself. It's unbelievable what's going on when it comes to carjackings or car break ins and um, and shoplifting. Property crimes are skyrocketing in, in San Diego and other big California cities. And I, and I say San Diego because San Diego was regarded always as a nicer city than, say, L.A. and San Francisco. So it caught my eye, an article from the L.A. Times last month noted that they, they noted these statistics that um, violence is soaring, property crimes are soaring, but particularly gang violence is soaring. And they said it's unclear what is behind the sudden surge in crime. <laughs> well, when you have a state that over the last five years has totally done away with tough on crime policies and has totally done away with immigration enforcement on top of the fact that over that same period, just at a national level, you had the surge of Central American young gang members coming in. Well, gee, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out what's going on here with San Diego. Um, you know, earlier this year when we had that big uh, Fulton click of MS-13 arrested for gruesome murders in the la or san fernando valley area 19 of the 22 were illegal aliens who are mainly recent arrivals and resettled as unaccompanied alien children we said this before but i want to read to you three quotes from law enforcement officials who are either involved or familiar with the case what they said about it they said this was uh, the u.s attorney from that area nick Hanna, we're seeing an influx of younger gang members coming into the area, associating themselves with the Fulton clique who are extremely violent, who have come to commit murders to join the clique. Recent influx coming to coming to trying to join the clique. Um, Claude Arnold, who once ran L.A.'s ICE office, said there are these are newer entrants so they're making their bones with the gang it's just how it is they want to make a name for themselves and those are the people who are generally the most violent members of street gangs according to the indictment if you read the indictment in that case they say that these people were quote required to kill an ms-13 rival or someone perceived to be adverse to ms-13 to be initiated into ms-13 this is it's not just like oh we've allowed more central american gang members in through open borders and sanctuaries that, that that's true that's true it's that particularly there's a trend where they have to be initiated into the gang so it's the violence is front-loaded if you in other words let's say you have i don't know you know ten thousand ms-13 members and you bring in another ten thousand it's not like a 50 percent increase in your problems 
or whatever, doubling your problems, it's growing exponentially because they all have to to show their moxie. They have to they have to show their worth. So they have to go out of their way to be more violent than ever. And these are thousands of people we've let in. California has the most of them and California harbors them. So they're going to come there. OK, so then we it's clear why the gangs are there. But that's only half the equation. Then they harbor them. So as you all know, most people, and particularly gang members, they're punking around, they're caught doing theft, they're caught with drugs, drunk driving. So usually there's something before murder. So typically, well, the first crime, historically, okay, ICE would go in and get them done. Now, in 2014, since they enacted the Trust Act, where they violated federal law, which DOJ refuses to go after them in a, in a meaningful way, by the way. And they violated federal law and they barred any communication from local sheriffs and police with ICE. So now every one of those gang members that used to be arrested on the first time and removed, they cycle in and out. And then because of jailbreak, even on domestic, just criminal charges, they don't serve time. So they're out and out and out and out. ICE does, and also now ICE lacks access to the databases and the identity of these people, so they can't even keep track of them. Um, ICE told me in a comment they gave to me the San Diego office, due to the California Trust Act, access has been removed from gang databases, re refused access to people in jails that are possibly gang affiliated and not notified of any releases, even if there is a gang affiliation, the egregious malfeasance on behalf of the state of California lawmakers threatens communities and all law enforcement entities to include ICE. Remember, um, Timothy Robbins, he's the acting director of ICE's enforcement um, and removal operations testified last week before the Senate judiciary committee that as anywhere from 40 to 80% of those arrested and harbored by sanctuaries reoffend. <laughs> and again, that would be bad if you just had the base, same baseline of illegal aliens. We had this entire increase nationally. You put that together with the policies. Gee, it doesn't take a genius to figure out why um, California is on this terrible, terrible trajectory. Okay. And also, I just want you to note, I just want to want to note here, and um, I want to show you a chart. Take a look at this chart from Track University, Syracuse University, um, their track data on immigration enforcement. Look at the number of ICE removals per year in California. In 2012, it was as high as almost 100,000, 75,000. Now, since 2014, when the state shut it off, they never get more than um, more than 30,000 removals per year. That, 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 and again, we have more illegal immigrants now than we did back then, because that was during the recession, you know, 2010, 2012. That was back during the recession. Um, and, uh, you know, during the recession, we didn't have as many illegal immigrants. So it's more than just, you know, 60, 70,000 more. I mean, it could be over 100,000 more. And again, this is not the illegal immigrant population. These are ICE removals. ICE removes 90% are criminal aliens. So these are criminal illegal aliens 
that are remaining in California relative to the past. Okay, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's going on there. Then obviously you have, um, you know, jailbreak mixed in with it. You know, even, you know, even without um, immigration policy. Gavin Newsom signed uh, three bills last week. One, ban the use of facial recognition on police body cameras. You know, one of the big reasons why even with jailbreak policies, crime levels, murder rates are still not as high as, um, as they were in the 80s is just because of technology. I mean, if you think about it, violent crime is violent crime. You do have high-tech crimes, but most run-of-the-mill crime hasn't changed. It hasn't um, perfected in terms of technology. It's the same old crime. A, a body's a body. Uh, whereas the technology to apprehend and monitor and catch them, you know, there's cameras everywhere, um, has, has grown exponentially. So that, that's a big part of what's deterring people more than in the past. And, you know, police technology is very important. Nope, out the window because they don't want to catch more criminals. Notice everything they do is designed to ensure the population shrinks to zero. The prison population shrinks. That's, that's the goal. It's not a matter of targeting, okay, I think these people don't need to be in prison. Across the board, they take a sledgehammer. So this was never about low-level offenses. Um, then they passed the whole bill reducing um, mandatory minimums for repeat violent felons. It was like a graduated scale of based on your rap sheet, they would add on an extra year. The entirety of those mandatories were targeting repeat offenders. So you can't tell me, oh, second chance, yada, yada. No. So that's that. And then they had a third bill, which um, expunged criminal records. Oh, my gosh. Of pretty much any criminal who completes their sentence. And when I say completing their sentence, it doesn't mean completing their sentence. It means completing their whatever we give them, which includes jailbreak, where they wind up getting half the sentence locked off. They're, so they, they've been doing this with juveniles. In California, they're doing this with everyone. Done. All done. How Republicans don't see this as an opportunity is beyond me. The Chamber of Commerce in California, which has largely been supportive of this, they have a new poll out saying, quote, California voters are anxious. They report that the biggest concern is public safety. 79% of Californians agree that homelessness and criminal behavior have become rampant throughout California. 73% agree that street crime, shoplifting, and car theft have become rampant throughout California. And 60% agree with the following statement. I no longer feel safe because of the danger and disorder in society today. Trump could win the election. Republicans could win their elections by running against California, saying, do you want all of America to look like California? And one by one, you have votes on sanctuaries, you have votes on gun felons, which you could do a, on, on a federal level, they could do in Congress. Nope, nothing. So that's that there. Nothing doing. Let's go through some more cases as before we uh, run out of time here. Um, it's, it's rampant. So um, where is this here? Let me, let me go find this. Prisoner serving life sentence in Gwinnett rape case mistakenly released from prison. A man serving a life prison sentence for the rape of a 10-year-old Gwinnett County girl has been mistakenly released from custody. The Georgia Department of Corrections said Tony Maicon Munoz Mendez, 31, um, was released from Rogers State Prison 
I, I don't know how that happens. Um, you know, he's been there since 2015. He was serving um, a life sentence for uh, terrible rape charges of a girl. Um, basically rape and aggravated child molestation charges on a victim. The victim was the daughter of his live-in girlfriend. Again, that's a very common thing. We've noticed the live-ins because that's what they do. It's normal back in their home countries. No one wants to admit it. Um, although girls, not brides, and the NGOs will admit it's going on in their countries, but you bring the countries to America, suddenly it stops. Uh, no, it doesn't stop. Um, so, I mean, this is not a sanctuary issue because Georgia does cooperate. Um, but it was just funny that this is kind of a big story, you know, just uh, when someone's, let's just say, accidentally released for a moment um, of this magnitude. It just happens to be, I asked ICE about it, the guy is a Guatemalan illegal alien and ICE is helping the U.S. Marshals look for him. So, I mean, this is how rampant it is. It's like a random case. Well, you know, child sex offender, it's an illegal alien. So there's that. Um, there's more. Let me see if I can find this here. I'm just totally out of control. Um, let's see what we got here. So this is a guy in Washington County, Oregon. Oregon's a cesspool. And on September 6, 2019, a Washington County jury found Alvaro Noe Mendoza Valencia, age 44, guilty of, I'm not going to sit and read just the names of these crimes, but 18 child charges in child sex abuse case. I think it involved three children. It was 18 charges he was convicted on. Um, recently, uh, he was sentenced. So after after this, this is actually a good case. He was actually sentenced to 75 years. Now, I don't know. Now, it's not, you know, without parole. So who knows how much he'll serve. But for once, after 18 child sex charges, yeah, he served. Um, he's going to be sentenced to 75 years. Um, the prosecutor basically said, this is one of the most disturbing cases of child abuse I have ever prosecuted. Well, who is this um, Valencia dude? Who is Valencia? So ICE tells me, convicted child rapist Alvaro Mendoza Valencia is a citizen of Mexico and in the United States illegally. On September 17, 2018, so this was a year ago, ICE officers encountered him in Clark County Jail. That was in Washington State across the border where he is being held as a fugitive from justice, but, but he was let go in defiance of the detainer. Three days later, Washington County, Oregon, picks him up on a bunch of rape charges, which I guess stemmed from this case. And on September 21st, this was a year ago, ICE put a detainer on him. It was not honored. Um, now, in this case, I, you know, I, luckily he wasn't let go. And basically... Um, you know, this is another illegal alien child sex offender. But but he, here's the deal with him. I looked up his criminal record in Washington State, and this guy had a history of running from police, driving offenses, DUIs. These children could have been spared had we been enforcing our laws. It's that simple. This is yet another case. Um, meanwhile, 
there's another case which is similar in Oregon. What's this here? Josea Rosales. I think I mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning because they're almost like two peas in a pod. 18 child sex crimes. So at first I made a mistake. I thought it was the same guy. It's not. Is Jose Rosales, different name. Guess what? This guy, so this guy was, so he wasn't um, convicted yet, but he was picked up on 18 child sex crimes. Sodomy, luring a minor, rape, encouraging child sex abuse. I mean, all sorts of things. And um, he posted 10% of his 1.25 million bail in September. And he was released with an ankle bracelet. Guess what? He cut off the ankle bracelet. Still at large. Sanctuary, bringing in other countries' worst criminals, and then jailbreak. The two together. I'm telling you, this pre-trial release is an epidemic. Oh no, we're going to monitor them with the ankle. The ankle bracelets are a joke. This happened, this story with this guy, this happened like two weeks ago, um, at least two weeks ago. And he's, I, I haven't, I mean, I Googled his name and you would think that it would be around if they caught him. I don't think they caught him yet. You know, and I'm sure if ICE catches him, they won't get any credit for it. So that's that case. Um, but there's more. Breitbart, North Carolina Sanctuary County expected to free illegal rapists. Sanctuary County of Mecklenburg County, North Carolina, is, it respected to, is it expected to release from custody two illegal aliens charged with raping children and an illegal alien accused of trafficking heroin. Um, basically, Alejandro Gomez Cervantes was arrested May 11th on five counts of indecent liberties with a child, three counts of statutory sex offense with a child, statutory rape of a child. Um, Rigoberto Murcia Martinez was arrested in April, charged with similar charges. And they will be released and they refuse to even tell ICE the date. See, there's one thing if you're like saying, I'm not going to hold them, but I'll give them a date. That shows they willfully are trying to ensure that ICE doesn't get a hold of child molesters. Um, There's a reason government doesn't track data of crimes by citizenship citizenship status. Because they don't like what they would find with DUIs, with child molesting. It is an epidemic. It's America's haunted house. So there's that. And then, and then there's just, you know, the plane jailbreak. You want to talk about Bond, I'll, t- I'll talk to you about Bond. So let's play again over here. Um, let's play again the, the video of the subway knockout here. Take a look at this. So as you can see, this was a guy who was caught um, shoving a man and then he violently shoved a woman into a subway car. This has gone viral. There's been tons of subway incidents. It's going back to pre-Giuliani days in New York with both the homelessness and the violence in the subways where people don't feel safe. Heck, I'm scared to go to Manhattan today. 
Um, so they caught the guy late last week. This happened on Wednesday. They caught the guy sometime last week. He had an arraignment on Saturday. Guess what? Isaiah Thompson is his name, 23. It turns out that he had been arrested nine times for a total of 18 subway offenses. Isn't it funny how they tend to commit the crimes that mimic the ones they committed in their prior rap sheet when we caught them and released them? Yes, criminals are very habitual creatures. Included in his rap sheet was just this May. Just this May, he was charged with um, pulling the emergency brake on one of the uh, trains, stranding 700 passengers for a while in the subway. At the same time, I don't know if it happened like a day before, but once they picked him up, they charged him with um, lewdness or whatever because he was exposing himself and then surfing a train. He would do that a lot. And he was he was let out. He was let out on 10,000 bonds, according to the New York Post. This is before the January, the law goes into effect, January abolishing bail. He was let out. He was let out. He already had 17 transit offenses. And he was still let out despite pulling the emergency brake, stranding 700 people, exposing himself, train surfing. So basically what happened was this guy was caught because a couple hours before on, on last Wednesday, there was another incident in Queens where he punched a man, shoved another woman. Um, he in totally assaulted about four people that day. So one of the witnesses came forward and you're going to see why I'm talking about a witness in a minute. And so now he now he's being held on a hundred thousand bond. Now, I don't know how much he has to pay if he has to pay all a hundred thousand. We'll see. But I'll tell you, even if he winds up being held. Think about it, shoving assault. Um, he was charged with train surfing because he was doing that, too. I don't know if he gets a year in prison um, if he is convicted. But will this guy even be convicted? Folks, some of you by now might know what I'm driving at. Um, on Friday, we had a terrific show with a veteran district attorney, um, Sandra Dorley of Monroe County. That's Rochester, New York. Uh, she has a Soros challenger against her, and you, you really need to donate to her um, if you care about the future of this country. Go to SandraDorley.com. And she told me something I didn't even realize. She put and juxtaposed two provisions of New York's jailbreak, which, by the way, this principle is supported by the Texas Public Policy Foundation, the Koch brothers, the Heritage Foundation, criminal justice reform. So, I mean, Republicans are fully bought into this garbage. So I, I you remember if you watch the show, I was just stunned by what she told me. She put together these two provisions. I started off by asking her an interesting question. I said, why is it that it almost seems like you can never land a conviction for what they did, for what they're or, or initially arrested for? They always plea down and you're always forced to accept the plea. I said, why is that? And, you know, I thought she would talk about just, you know, all the barriers and loopholes in the trial and everything. What was interesting is the number one thing she said, and she was very clear about this from her experience. Remember, this is a pretty big county, 750,000 people. She was there for 28 years. She said, it, because it's so hard to get witnesses. 
So you know the guy did it, you have the witnesses, but the witnesses are scared. That's already a problem. In comes New York's law, and what they do is they say, you have to disclose everything about the witnesses, among all sorts of other stuff, to the defendant within 15 days of arraignment. And that includes the entire grand jury process, which used to be kept secret for good reason until the trial. So that pre-trial, the guy's not sitting on all this information. The witnesses get bumped off. So what happened, what, what, what typically happens is you get a sworn statement and the statement is, is kept secret. Now, everything about the witnesses, including their statement, is immediately turned over to the defendant. Hold the thought. In comes brilliantly, insidiously, and purposefully a second provision of New York's criminal justice reform bill and pretty much abolishes bail. Guess what happens? So the guy is out pre-trial, but immediately pre-trial, he has your information. How many witnesses are ever going to testify? So that's what Sandra said over, and, and she said a lot of other things, but I'm just basically summarizing Friday's show at the end. It's towards the end if you want to listen to it. Um, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, this Isaiah Thompson case. I said, look, this guy is violent and as disruptive as can be. But at the end of the day, what is it? Property crimes, train surfing, and simple assault, which isn't so simple. You know, when you get punched in the face, but, you know, but the law regards this as, you know, simple assault. This guy, under no circumstances, would be held. Guess what? These are exactly the type of people, when you have a guy rampaging like that and he's out, he was caught by, because of a witness. Do you think these people are going to come forward now? Because here in a trial, well, how do you know it's me? How do you know it's me in the video? Who says it's me? Oh, well, we have witnesses. Well, who are the witnesses? Well, we have four different cases. Well, I want to know who are the victims. See, right at that moment, the guy doesn't know who Joe Schmo is on the train that he shoved or punched. Now he gets to find out. I know where you live. He gets to find out where they live, too, what they said about him. This is not by accident. This is done on purpose. Friends, if we had a, a, a Republican Party running on these issues, they could not lose an election. Frankly, I wonder if they would start to win in blue states. But here we are. Here we are with nothing to go on. Nothing. 90% of all people arrested for crimes in New York will be released without bond. And now prosecutors will have to turn over all the information. You know, there's a lot of discussion now with um, one in four NYPD officers, according to the inspector general of the NYPD, had thoughts of suicide. Um, the suicide rate uh, is double that of previous years. Ten officers so far have committed suicide. And de Blasio wants to deal with mental health. Have they ever thought that perhaps, perhaps, there's a problem when you place cops into the hardest situations and then you go make them do a job, but then you design a criminal justice system that purposely undoes everything they do. Oh, and by the way, hanging and looming over their heads is always this threat that if they do their job too well, guess what? You might get prosecuted. 
And let me tell you something. For you, Mr. Cop, there won't be any criminal justice reform. There won't be any early release. There probably won't be pre-trial release without bond either for you. That's the one area where they're pretty tough on self-defense and, and, you know, and cops. Again, it's not to say a cop can never do anything wrong. And of course, there's 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 thousands upon thousands of cops and you could have bad, bad apples and stories. But but generally speaking, this stuff is usually garbage. And um, I just want to conclude the, the New York part. We, we talked about California, the New York part of this discussion with a story from law enforcement today that ties fully into this. NYPD officer wakes up from a coma, finds city leader supporting dead criminal who tried to kill him. On Monday, October 28th, 53-year-old officer Leslie uh, Lafrontent um, was released. And, and by the way, just, just for the record, he is an African-American cop, was released from New York City's Brooksdale Hospital to a crowd of cheering onlookers. Man, I feel like tearing up here, who consisted of a sea of his brothers and sisters in blue. Um, officer Lafrontant defied the odds after being placed in a medically induced coma um, merely 48 hours prior to his release, although greeting uh, the masses with a severely swollen face, he was able to muster a smile for his colleagues as the NYPD pipe and drums band played. LaFontaine was wheeled out of the hospital by his wife and flanked by his four children. As reported by the New York Daily News, Officer LaFontaine's commanding officer, Captain Craig Edelman of the 73rd Precinct, explains, explained that standing among the crowd of well-wishers, this is what we do. We make a promise to each other to go home to our families and make sure our officers go home to their families. So this, believe it or not, makes a stronger day-to-day -day showing the termination. Leslie had made it home to his loved ones. Um, and uh, basically he has a long uh, recovery. Um, he was a 21 year veteran. He, he was involved in an incident that took place on Friday. Um, basically a man entered the gold mine nail salon near the corner of Mother Gaston Boulevard. Um, this was on Friday, asking to use the bathroom. When he was denied access, he began urinating on the floor of the salon. Um, the salon owners flagged down two cops nearby and asked them to remove the man. The cops discovered there were outstanding warrants out for the man's arrest and began to place him under arrest. One of the officers that had responded to the salon was Officer LaFontaine. While there, was an, there was an altercation with the suspect who was resisting arrest. A second man entered the salon, later identified as 33-year-old Kwesi Ashun. After entering the salon, Ashun took a metal chair and struck Officer LaFontaine in the head. He was hit in the head. He was, uh, he was, um, despite being hit in the head, he was able to unholster his weapon, fire six rounds at the assailant, striking Ashun in the face. That's unbelievable. I didn't, I, by the way, I didn't read that part before. I didn't realize that happened. So this guy was smashed over the head with a metal chair and he was able to unholster his gun. Wow. That, that, that's unbelievable. Um, according to news sources, Kwaisi Ashun was pronounced dead at the scene. Um, due to the severity of the injuries to the officer's head from the attack with the metal chair, doctors decided to place him in a medically induced in a, uh, a coma. And um, basically, um, that's the story there. And of course, Kwaisi Ashun not surprisingly, um, had a prior history. 2004, he was accused of using a knife to slice Officer James Sinnott's face from ear to neck. Another officer, Brian Rissano, was injured as he and other officers tried to subdue Ashun, then 18. 
of course, he was out. And again, that was in 2004 when everyone was supposedly being locked up forever for doing nothing. But no, he wasn't locked up forever. I don't know how long he served. Um, and uh, that is basically that. Um, so they go on here. While many hail Officer LaFontaine as a hero for being able to defend himself and those around him for a violent and emotional disturb disturbed individual after being attacked, not all agree. NBC New York reported as follows. A state legislator from Brooklyn was in the area at the time of the shooting and described the scene as mayhem. Assemblywoman Latrice Walker said children were running, families were afraid, my daughter was screaming. Our community is definitely traumatized today because this was a senseless death. This is what we're dealing with. We have a lot of questions, Assemblywoman Latrice Walker said. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. These are the very Democrat legislators that Republicans and conservative think tanks, with me being the only one dissenting, are working with. This is what's happening. And by the way, let me just go back to California. I know I'm jumping around here. It turns out, as I put out on, on Twitter, uh, John Binder of Breitbart reported it, but I, I reported it on Twitter. I just didn't do an article on it. Um, two of those charged with killing the cop in California were illegal aliens. And um, no legislation, no impetus to act in Congress. You won't hear anything. One more story before we check out here. Um, this is from Alaska, from all of all places. One of our listeners, Heather, um, sent this to me. We have a listener from Alaska. Alleged serial rapist charged with assaulting ninth victim while out on bail. An Anchorage man accused of sexually assaulting eight women who has spent more than a year out on bail is now charged with sexually assaulting a ninth victim. Kaishan Diet, 23, appeared in court. Thursday for an arraignment on unclassified felony charges connected to the latest assault, which allegedly happened while he was home on house arrest under pretrial supervision and wearing an electronic ankle monitor. He's accused of raping and strangling the woman who told detectives she thought his name was Kaishan Dwight. In May 2018, Diet was charged in the rapes of two women who independently reported they'd been violently assaulted and strangled by Diet within the same 24 hours. Um, by July, Diet was released on reduced cash bail of $5,000. Soon after his release, more women came forward and he was indicted on charges representing six additional crimes. So with a victim, the victim count of eight women, they increased the bail to 100,000 cash. Um, and exactly as I spoke about, some of Diet's accusers testified at a bail hearing, imploring the court to keep Diet in custody, fearing for their safety and the safety of others. But Diet's defense attorney, Julia Moody, argued that bail should not be increased because Diet had been following all of his conditions of release during the two weeks he had been out on bail. He's a good guy, yeah. Um, and then she also attempted to discredit the victims in the case, arguing that it is in vogue to be part of the Me Too movement. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so uh, they so they 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 compromised and they doubled the cash bail 
increasing it by an additional $5,000. So <laughs> a guy is, has a charge with raping eight women is let out on $10,000 bond. And, uh, and then, um, in recent months, he violated the, the, the conditions twice and was still not locked up and was accused of raping another woman. Folks, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what I have for you in 40 minutes. Criminal aliens, American criminals being harbored, being let out. And folks, this is the system that both parties believe is too stringent, locks up too many people. Too many people are locked up for nothing. Why is it that a random guy with little to no connections politically in his mid 30s, like me, yours truly, is the only guy talking about the epidemic of jailbreak? I, I just don't understand it. Why was I the only one? who consistently fought against the federal jailbreak bill. The only one in the entire country with a platform. I'm not doing this to, to toot my horn. I'm doing this to express to you how much of a one-sided fight this is and how much we need to get involved. This is America's Halloween nightmare. This is America's haunted house. This, my friends, is America's version of the collapse of Rome if we don't get this under control. I gotta run. I'm going to really be rushed tomorrow. Hopefully we'll be out. Show might be out a couple hours later tomorrow. Um, Got to travel up north to the lovely subways of New York. Wish me well. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all. Make sure you subscribe to this show and make sure a hundred of your friends and relatives see it. Because if they don't see it, nobody else will make these points. <laughs>